0: Our message this morning is going to come from the Gospel of Mark, so get your Bible. Let's go over to Mark chapter 1. Last week we went to John chapter 1, and we looked at who Jesus is and how He is the Word who has come in the flesh. And we looked at the glory of Him and what it means that He has come into this world. As I think about this time of the year, and a lot of people thinking of, of Jesus coming into the world, I think it a good theme. And a good theme, not that we know exactly when Jesus was born or what month, but it is a great time of the year every time of the year very much so to evangelize but here we can, we have a launching point at this time of the year to say you know why christ came do you know what he did and and you can take that song we just sang beautiful song if you notice there the whole gospel's right there in the chorus and, re- and repeated for us appreciate that craig um, Wonderful song. So as we look at this matter this morning, we go to the Gospel of Mark. We see Jesus coming into the world, and the Gospel of Mark doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. It doesn't start like the Gospel of John does. It starts in a different way, and it starts with John the Baptist, and it starts with Jesus as a man and him coming and preaching. Now, we get, before we get further into this and thinking about why Christ came and how he came and that Jesus came preaching, and why is it that he came preaching? Why did he come teaching the gospel? Those are things we want to think about. Before we do that, I ask that you pray with me right now. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you are gracious and loving to us. Father, we believe in you and we trust in you. We believe in your son that he is your only begotten. Father, we thank you for the life that Jesus lived. We thank you that He came into this world preaching the gospel and doing great, mighty, great, many and mighty wonders uh, from you to, to reveal you and to glorify you. Father, we thank you for the character of Christ, his influence upon us, his ultimate sacrifice, and his resurrection from the dead to give us everlasting life. Father, I ask that you bless us as we study the Bible and we read these words in the Gospel of Mark that we stand in awe of Jesus Christ, now and forever. And Father, we stand in awe of you and of your great plan for us and the salvation that you've given to us. And Father, we ask that you do all these things. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So let's go to the Gospel of Mark in chapter... And I already had uh, two Scripture readers this morning. I appreciate them. And uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and then chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, giving us an introduction and showing us John the Baptist. Very interesting man, uh, prophet, uh, baptizing. It says all who would come to him from Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem came to him. And he was baptizing them in the Jordan. And so Jesus comes and he is baptized. And the Spirit descends upon him as a dove. And God declares him as his son from heaven. And it's been an amazing thing to see, the, see that event. If you notice here in the Gospel of Mark, something very unique about the Gospel of Mark is that these little snippets of, of Jesus' life are very, a lot more brief and short here in this Gospel. You don't have uh, Jesus' bap- baptism drawn out, you don't have the temptations that Christ being drawn out here. And it's as though uh, Mark says, I think you already know these things. And so maybe implying the previous writing of the Gospel of Matthew, which uh, I would think... Uh, but there are other things that might go along with that. So let's go to, uh, to Mark chapter 1 and look in verses 14 and 15. We're going to start in 14 and 15. This is going to be an exegetical sermon in the sense that I'm just going to keep adding on. And we're not going to jump around. All you got to do is open your Bible to Mark chapter 1. Or we're going to keep moving right along. But Mark 1, look in verses 14 through 15, and let's make some observations uh, from this text. The Bible says, and now after John had been delivered up into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of Mar emphasizes Jesus as the king, as the Messiah. That the king has come. And here the king comes and he comes with a proclamation and teaching. Now, when you think about Jesus in the whole course of history and why all these crowds came to him, why he had such a great influence, why he had such an impact in changing the world, I look at this passage here and he comes unlike any other king has come in the course of history. Now, he does come with proclamation and kings come with that and uh, declaring who, who they are. And Jesus comes preaching the gospel. The word gospel means good message. Will you hear it in the word evangelism? The word evangelism has the Greek word in it, EV meaning good and angel meaning message, evangel. And so we have the message, the gospel of God. That's what Jesus comes. And as we continue to read, that's what he comes doing. We continue to read this. That was his purpose. And Jesus comes and he says, what message is he teaching from God? He says, the time is fulfilled. In Greek, it's in the perfect tense. In other words, it has been completed. The time that you've been looking for is now here. Now, it's also in the perfect, completed tense that he says this. The kingdom of God is at hand. Or the kingdom of God is near. Or I think it'd be a better way of putting it in to translate it is that the kingdom of God has come near to you, that it has come before you. And as we read in certain parts, like in Luke chapter 17 and verse 21, we read throughout the Bible, we read about the, uh, the coming of the kingdom. And you have some passages like in Luke 17, 21 where the kingdom has already come, but the kingdom is coming. And then we read about the kingdom has come in a different sense when we get to the book of Acts. And then we have the kingdom that is still coming in 2 Peter, the eternal kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, Second peter chapter 1 and verse 11 and as i look at this what i see is this is that the king has come christ in the gospels the book of acts the church his kingdom his people have been established the kingdom and that we have a kingdom of eternal life that is set before us that we will have that that that's placed before us as the blessing the country the heavenly country in which we will dwell in eternity with our king with christ So Jesus has come proclaiming this, saying the time is fulfilled, completed, past tense. The kingdom is near, completed, and and, and it's in the past tense. And then he says, what what does he want from us? What did he want from those who he was preaching to right then and how to respond? At that time, he says to repent and to believe. Now, later on in Mark, we see Jesus uh, commanding baptism. I'm going to use that for my invitation, so I'll get to that. But what we see right here, he says repent and believe. There are a number of places throughout the New Testament where repentance sometimes comes before belief. Some people live in such a way that they need to first repent before they come to believe. And this is specifically to the Jewish people, to the people in Judea. He says, you're not following God's word. You believe in God and you already have it, but you need to repent. And repenting, then you can believe the gospel. You can believe, that's what Jesus is saying, what he is proclaiming to them. What he is saying to them. And as we think about that, there's a lot of things that we might take to heart there. But I want another another thing that I think about one another point to make there is when he says repent and believe in Greek, there's a specific form and it's made very clear. These are imperatives. These are commands. So as Jesus is saying, the kingdom is near, it has come, um, the time is fulfilled and the response is an imperative. You must repent. You're commanded to repent and to therefore believe in the gospel. So as we read these things, what does it mean for us today? It means that the message preached by Jesus for you today is again to obey those imperatives. To obey the commandments and instructions of your King, of Christ, who's come into the world. And as we do that, we look at him and we recognize who he is. Last week we saw that he is God come in the flesh. And, you know, there are some people that say, well, John said that, but the other Gospels don't say that Jesus was God come in the flesh. I don't know how you're going to get around the fact that Jesus forgave sins, that he healed people, that he exercised gifts and said things with the authority that only comes from God that's clearly here in the Gospel of Mark. Now keep following with me now. Let's go back to Mark chapter 1. Look at verses 16 to 21. And he was was going along the sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on farther... He saw James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. I read this and I'm thinking, am I ready to do that? Jesus calls me. The Bible says we're called by the gospel. You go over to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 15. You see that we are called by the gospel. When you go to Acts chapter 2, we see being called by the gospel. When you hear the gospel, it's it's God calling you by Jesus Christ to follow him. When I read those passages, uh, what what would you do if, if Jesus called you? He called them in the middle of work. Now is the time to follow, to follow me, to come to me. You think about those things. Think about what, what Christ has done here. And what's he calling them to do? And this is the mission of the church today. Mission of the church in Matthew chapter 28 is what? Is to make disciples of all the nations, is to baptize, is to teach them all things that Jesus has commanded. And what we see right here is he gives a mission. Mark chapter 1 and verse 17. What? And Jesus tells them exactly what's going to happen. He says, You follow me. There's step number one. Step number two, I'm going to make you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to teach you. And then step number three is, you're going to be fishers of men. As Christians, that should be what we want to do, is to follow, to be a disciple and a follower of Christ. That in one part of that stage is I'm number one, I've got to decide to follow him. Secondly, I might be in the in the position of where I need to continue to study his word, to know it, to understand it so that I can be effective at the ultimate mission of making disciples, of being fishers of men. We need fishers of men in the church today. We need fishers of people. We need those who carry the gospel with them everywhere. We need those who will not hide the truth, who will speak it boldly. We need it, all Christians to to continue to mature to that point, to, to get to the point to where they are fishers of men, to where they are calling in, where they're talking to their neighbors and their friends and their family. They're telling them the truth. They're telling their co-workers. They're having discussions wherever they are about the gospel of Christ. They're taking the things that are going on in the world and saying, yes, this world without God is hopeless. And without Jesus, we have no other Savior. He is the only way. That's the message that we've got to proclaim. And the response to that message is still the same. That we hear and we believe and repent. That we confess that faith and that we're baptized. And we see that reflected here in what Jesus expected from those who heard his message uh, in the very beginning. So I ask you this morning has the message of Christ caught you? Because as he's talking to his disciples, they're casting a net. The picture here is a net. It's, that's what's catching. We're not luring in on a hook here, we're, we're setting a net. That's the idea of fishing. And as that, that net is going to be the message, spread, spread out. And we want the message to spread. We want the net to spread out. You don't take, if you've ever been fishing with a net, you, you, you want it to do that. You don't want it to stay in a bunch. You don't want it to get hung up. That's irritating when that happens. You want the net to spread out over the area. And that takes us doing that, spreading that net out, spreading the gospel, being an influence, doing what Christ came and what made him so powerful and how he changed the world and his message changed the world. He comes as a king, not with an army, not in a great possession, but he comes humbly. Into this world with a mission of preaching the gospel and casting that net and making sure that his disciples do the same. And Lord willing, you've been caught by that net and you've heard the call and you're following him. And he's making you into the disciple that you need to be to share the truth. So you so you can see right here, you know, I think some people are are, they can be very dismissive when they hear Jesus' name. Oh, you're talking about Jesus, you're a religious person, and they automatically will turn off anybody. Okay? We don't want to do that in our own readings of the Gospel this morning when many will read over these things and get a surface level and not think about where, what it has to do with me. How does this apply to me? And it applies to you because I want to be a part of that kingdom. The time has come. I want to be a part of what Christ is about. So what made Jesus' preaching stand out? Well... I'm building off of what's presented right here in this text. Let's keep reading here in Mark chapter 1. And look at verse 21 to 28. And 21, I don't think that one's on the screen there. It was on the last one. It says, they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to, to teach. So that's what Jesus did. He went to the synagogues. He went to the gatherings. Paul did the same thing when he spread the gospel throughout the world. He went to those who would listen and hear from the very beginning who were looking for the Messiah. Look at verse 22. They were astonished at his teaching. Are you astonished at the teaching of Christ? Do you stand in all of it? Is it wonderful to you? I hope that it is. But as I read it right here, you know, I, I think you're hearing the message when you're astonished. When you wake up in the morning and say, I need to read my Bible, I need to pray, I need to draw near to God, I need to follow Christ. And so, uh, verse 22 again, they were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because he was teaching them as one having authority. As one having authority. Well, how does he have authority? Because he's God come in the flesh. It says, not as the scribes, that is not as the scholars teach. He taught as one having the authority of God. Verse 23, and immediately there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, an unclean spirit, a demon, a fallen angel, possessed this man. And he cries out to Jesus in the synagogue. You imagine this, in church, something like this happening. And he says this to Jesus, what do you have to do with us, Jesus the Nazarene. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. If you read through Isaiah, you see that repeated. The Holy One of God, the one who's coming, the Messiah. You're the one. We know who you are. In verse 25, Jesus rebuked him. He rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. Jesus doesn't want those who are the, the demons. He doesn't want the hypocrites either or anybody else um, to be proclaiming him. He didn't want the wicked doing it. He wants His own people doing it. And so, here it says, "...and throwing Him into convulsions, as Jesus rebukes the Spirit within Him, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of Him. And they were all amazed, so that they were arguing among themselves, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him." Jesus comes with authority. He is King. He speaks so that even the fallen angels obey Him immediately. And verse 28, it says, immediately the the news about Him spread, again, spread everywhere, in all the surrounding district of Galilee. And so, again, I make the same point. Are you astonished at the authority of the words of Christ? Do you see the power in His words? Do you recognize Him as the King and the Christ? Christ came speaking with authority. He came healing the sick. And He came forgiving sins. When He forgave sins, the people said, Only God can forgive sins. And that's exactly the point. God has come, His kingdom has come. And Mark chapter 1, go a little bit further down this time to verse 34 to 38. Mark chapter 1, verses 34 to 38. And it says here, as we read about Jesus and the beginning of His ministry, He healed many who were ill with various diseases. He cast out many demons, and He he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who He was. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus rose and went out of the house and went away to a desolate place and was praying there. Jesus often did that. You go out early in the morning to pray. You do that, you go out for a walk and pray talk to God uh, and sometimes in the gospel of Luke we read about him going and spending night on a mountain in prayer let's keep reading here verse 36 and Simon and his com- companions searched for him and they found him and they said to him everyone is looking for you and he said to them let us go elsewhere to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also for that is what I came out for That's why I came. That's why I've gone out of the city. That's why Jesus came into the world. Some might think He came for this or that. He came to save the world, and it begins with the preaching and proclamation of the gospel. And every one of us should want to have a part in that, that we are amazed at God's Word, and so we want to share His Word. We recognize the authority of Christ and who He is. As we think about these things this morning, I hope they're reflective and make an impression on you as you read the beginning of Christ's ministry and why he came into the world. Well, what kind of person does these things that Jesus did? You know, I wonder about people who say, well, Jesus is merely a myth. There's no historian uh, at any university, as um, one agnostic atheist said, at any university you would say Jesus is a myth. He was an historical figure who was crucified by Pontius Pilate in the first century. And that big question that Jesus asked His disciples, who do they say that I am, and who do you say that I am, is the question I referred to you this morning. Who do you say that Jesus was? Only the fool would dismiss Jesus as though He doesn't matter. As though Jesus Jesus of Nazareth has had no influence upon the world. Only a fool would just ignore who He is. And go on every day. Don't be foolish. Jesus is the most significant figure in all of history because he came to save the world. And we see that here. We see his mission. I encourage you this morning to have a part in that, to be a part of that kingdom. The impact of Jesus of Nazareth is undeniable. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 45, at the end of chapter 1, this is what we read. And he went out and began to proclaim it freely. And to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in the desolate areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. So this is a leper who's been healed, and he's spreading the word as well. He's been healed. Have you been healed by God? Has God changed your heart? Has He changed your life? Well, tell others about it. That's the natural thing to do, is to spread that word. I remember when I was uh, first baptized, it's been a long time ago now, Actually, December 6th is when I was baptized, 1993. And I remember what I did. As soon as I was baptized, I couldn't keep it to myself. And I had some people tell me to be quiet, and some people were encouraging. But when we hear the gospel and we obey it, we shouldn't be able to keep it quiet what we want to see is what happens here at the very end of the chapter, verse 45, that even though Jesus is in the desolate places, people would seek him out wherever he was. They would go to him, crowds would go to him from everywhere, it says. Because he had a message, and he had the power of God with him. And the kingdom had come because the king had come. The kingdom of God has come. The time to repent and to believe has come. The mission to be fishers of men has come. I give you the invitation this morning, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, listen to what Jesus says in Mark 16, 16. Remember what Christ said. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. You need to obey the gospel this morning. You can do that. You can confess uh, your faith in Christ, have been repented of your sins, and be buried with Him and rise in a new life. You need prayers and encouragement. We encourage you to come right now. Let's stand and sing together.